All right, greetings to all of our campuses and those watching online. We are so glad that you are here. We are in the midst of a very significant teaching series right now in which we're focused on something that, that all of us, every one of us wrestles with, and that's fear. Whether it's uh, fear of death or fear of failure or fear of rejection or fear of the future, all of us have fears that we wrestle with. And those fears are like a bully in our lives. They want to intimidate us and keep us from experiencing the life that God longs for us to experience. And so we are spending some time in this series, we're spending some time in, in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, learning from his life, how we can face our fears, how we can be strong and courageous. So if you have your Bible or your iPad or smartphone or whatever, wherever your Bible is, uh, please turn to Joshua chapter four. Now, as you're getting there, let me describe where this story has led up to this point. In Joshua chapter one, God calls Joshua to lead his people into the land that God had promised to give them. Mo Moses, their former leader, was dead. And so now it was Joshua's charge to lead a million people into this new land. Now, and it's very clear in chapter one that Joshua is battling some fear. Three times, three specific times, God says to him, be strong and courageous. And then God says, do not be afraid. I am with you. So as we saw last week, Joshua takes up the challenge. He leads the people out of the camp they were in and up to the Jordan River. Now the Jordan River was a significant barrier between where the people were at and them entering the promised land. And the Jordan River happened to be at flood stage. So they had to get across this river somehow. Well, God tells Joshua how they're going to get across, how that's going to happen. When the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant Covenant, when they the, when they step into the water, the river will stop flowing. Huge step of faith. We talked about this last week. Courageous obedience. The priests had to step into the river while it was flowing at flood stage. But when they did, the water stopped. A dry pathway was laid before them so they by God so they could cross the Jordan. And they did. It's an amazing miracle. Which brings us to chapter four, where we see God commanding the people to do something very significant, especially as it relates to fear. Uh, let, me, let me read verses one through eight of Joshua four. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. This is God's 
word. Now notice what's happening here. They are in the midst of a dramatic miracle, crossing the Jordan River on dry ground. They are seeing this happen before their eyes. The water is stopped. They are walking across this riverbed, huge miracle, and they're, they're experiencing it firsthand. But before the miracle ends, God wants them to do something. He commands Joshua to get 12 leaders, one from each tribe, and have them go back into the Jordan River bed, right where the priests are standing with the Ark of the Covenant. And each of these leaders is to pick up a stone, a, a large stone. And they are to carry this stone on their shoulders to the other side of the Jordan. So why does God want them to do this? Here's why. These people are about to enter into this land and it is not going to be easy. Their first task, their first, their first stop is going to be Jericho, which is a walled, a significant walled city. Crossing the Jordan was just, is just going to be the first step. They have huge challenges ahead. They have many opportunities to fear, to let fear take hold. And so God gives them a tool to help them face their fears. The tool of remembering. Remembering. He wants them to remember what he has done. So he commands them to build a monument with stones from the middle of the Jordan River. Stones that were under the water before, and now they're going to serve as a, as a way to remember See, one of, the most, one of the most powerful things we can do when facing our fears is to remember what God has done in the past. To remember what God has done when he showed up in a dramatic way, when, when we lost our job and, and God still provided for us. Or when we experienced a dramatic healing or when we went through a really difficult time and, and God got us through. I mean, at the time it happened, and for all of us, I know this is the way it is. At the time something like that happens, we were like, God, you are so awesome. Thank you for showing up so powerfully. I'll never forget this. <laughs> but we do forget. We do forget. Life goes on. The impact of those things lessen. So then the next time a challenging circumstance arises, we feel afraid. We feel afraid. And God says to us, in those moments of fear, I want you to remember. I want you to remember. I want you to stop and recall the times I have demonstrated my faithfulness to you in the past. The times that I have worked a miracle on your behalf. The times my power has showed up and got you through that really difficult season. Remembering is good. It's important. It can help us face our fears and, and our challenges. A few years ago, I, um, I, I heard a guy speak on the subject of healing and healing prayer. And, and he talked about how when he goes to places, to churches and at various places, when he goes to these places to teach about healing and, and to minister healing prayer for people, he takes with him this little box. And in this box are these are various little reminders, these mementos that have been given to him over the years, given to him by people who were healed when he prayed for them. So he brings this with him as a, to, to remind his soul of God's power. 
I mean, I love that because we all know, we all know how healing prayer can be so discouraging when we're praying for someone and nothing happens and we start to wonder why we're doing this. It can be so helpful to remember those times when God did answer, when God did answer in a powerful way. So he, this, 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 this guy intentionally carries with him this little box with these memorial markers, these mementos to remind him of God's faithfulness. It stirs his faith to continue to pray for healing. And the same thing can be true for us in terms of stirring our faith. We need memorial markers to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. Now, I don't know what that memorial marker might be for you. Maybe it's a journal that you keep and you're recording these, uh, these things God does. Or maybe it's a photograph on your wall, or it's a wall hanging that reminds you. Maybe it's a scripture that God gave you that you have sitting uh, in your kitchen or on your desk at your office. Whatever can help you remember God's faithfulness to you in the past, that's a good thing. That's a really helpful tool as we face our fears. Okay, so that's the principle I would encourage us to apply to our lives. Now, what I want to do is take this principle and apply it in our church in a very specific way. I want to take the rest of this message and tell you a story about God's power at work in our church. And I hope this will serve as sort of a memorial marker of some of the amazing things God has done here at Christ Community. The story begins, it begins on a Monday afternoon in June of 2005. At that time, I was in the midst of a season in which I was uncertain about the direction of our church. I felt kind of like I was in a bit of a fog as it related to our church's vision. And so that afternoon, I was praying with a couple of friends of mine. We prayed every Monday afternoon at four o'clock. We would gather and pray. They would pray for me and, and we'd also pray for the church. And honestly, I was half asleep. Um, as often happens at that time of the afternoon, I was half asleep when all of a sudden one of these guys said, I'm seeing a picture in my mind. I'm seeing this picture. And what I see is our church sanctuary filled with mannequins. And I believe the Lord is saying, my people don't love me. They, they are like mannequins. I want my people, the Lord was saying, I want my people to return to me. And when they do, I will, I will show you the path that I want you to take. Now, suddenly I was awake, okay? And I was not very happy, actually, because I thought to myself, this cannot be God. <laughs> this can't be God. We're doing fine as a church. We're growing. Things are okay. I was sort of offended by it, actually. I didn't want to hear this, but I agreed. Reluctantly, I agreed to pray about it. I said, okay, okay, I'll pray about it at least. So the next day, I, I again, reluctantly started to pray about this. And I was just going through my devotions. I start by reading the word and I was doing the one year Bible thing. I've talked about in other, other uh, places. And I just happened, the reading for that day, I just happened to be reading in, in 2 Chronicles chapters 14 to 16. And it was about the story of King Asa, who early in his reign was completely dependent upon the Lord. I mean, he, he was de just dependent upon the Lord. In fact, an army came to fight against uh, the nation of Judah and Asa turned to the Lord. He didn't know what else to do. He turned to the Lord and God miraculously delivered Judah, miraculously delivered them. Okay, now fast forward about uh, 15, 20 years later in his life. 
Things were going well, and a similar circumstance arose. Army was coming. This time, Asa tried to solve it on his own. Rather than leaning on the Lord, he tried to solve it on his own, and he made a treaty with other nations, and it didn't work. And this phrase, as I was reading this passage, this phrase just kind of dropped into my spirit. Spiritual complacency. Spiritual complacency. Asa had become spiritually complacent. He was desperate, leaning on the Lord, and then all of a sudden, this season of good times, and he just became complacent. And this time when an army came, he looked for other solutions. And I felt like the Lord was saying, this, this is what's happening here in Christ's community. This is confirming what was said in the prayer time yesterday. You and this church have become spiritually complacent, and that's why you have no sense of direction. And here's what I want you to do. You need to call the people to repent. You need to call the church to repent. So I immediately brought this to our staff and our elders that day, called an emergency staff meeting, brought it to our staff and elders. And I said, this is what's going on. I don't know if this is the Lord or not. This is what's going on. Ask them to pray about it and see if they thought it was from God as well. So, so during the prayer time we had, one of our staff members had a picture come to her mind and it was a picture of a big dead tree. You know how a big dead tree, if it's, if it's there, it, the present, you, the, the pre, you, its presence, you, you notice, right? You have to drive around it or whatever. So you notice its presence, but there's no life in it. There's no life in it. And when she told me that, I knew this was just a, another confirmation. We had become like a big dead tree, a significant presence, but there was no life. There was not the life God wanted. And so that weekend, that, that coming weekend was Father's Day weekend of 2005. And that weekend, I threw out my planned sermon, and I told the congregation, I just shared what had happened um, and, and how I felt like God was saying that we had become spiritually complacent and that we needed to repent and seek him afresh and that he would provide direction as we did this. And so, so I called all of us, all of us as a church, to come up front if there was room and just to get on our knees and repent of our complacency. It was a very, it was a very powerful time. Soon after that, within just a couple of weeks, <coughs> I heard about another church that had done a 50-50 stewardship campaign. <coughs> what I mean by that is they, they had done a stewardship campaign, raised funds, and 50% had gone to debt reduction, debt reduction, and 50% had gone towards kingdom initiatives. And when I heard this idea, I just knew in my spirit, this is what we're supposed to do. And I had the number $4 million, just the number $4 million had kind of settled in my mind. And, 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 and $2 million for debt reduction and $2 million for strategic kingdom initiatives globally and locally. <coughs> Excuse me. So I called a couple of key staff people together, including Steve Offling, who had just recently joined our staff team. And I said, hey, what if, I said to these, the, the, this small group here, what if, what if we had $2 million to invest in, not in ourselves, to invest in strategic kingdom initiatives locally and globally? What would we do? And so we began to think about that and pray about that. And all of a sudden, doors began to open. We started hearing of needs and opportunities in various regions of the world. For instance, at this time, Steve, Pastor Steve, got a call out of the blue, got a call from a ministry acquaintance. This wasn't a close friend, just a ministry acquaintance. And this guy said, hey, look, I've got this guy in Syria who has a vision for church planning. He's kind of planning church. He has a vision for this. Would you like to partner with him? Now, this guy said, I got to warn you on the phone. He said, I got to warn you, the need is for about 30000 dollars to get this thing going. And Steve just smiled and said, we can do that. We can do that. 
That man in Syria, his name is Danny, is Danny, and he has become a strategic partner for our church. Many of you have met Danny. Doors like that just started to open. And so we cast a vision, went to the, put this together. We cast a vision to the church of 18 strategic kingdom initiatives over a three-year period of time. And we asked the church to give to this. We asked Christ community to give to this. We called it Project Beyond. Some of the initiatives included helping orphanages in Malawi and Peru and helping plant churches in Tibet and Peru, providing clean water in Cambodia, helping build a seminary in Ethiopia, creating an internship program here that still continues to this day, starting a community service fund, which helps needy families in our community. Now we have several churches involved in that. Starting a Spanish speaking congregation here, which continues today and is running out of space, which is cool. So honestly, we didn't know what we were doing. We did not know what we were doing. We didn't, we didn't know if the church would even give to these kinds of initiatives, but you did. <laughs> you did. $3.1 million was given to Project Beyond. Half of it went to debt reduction and half of it to these kingdom initiatives. Well, as the three-year mark began to approach, we started saying to ourselves, we, do, we, we can't stop. We can't stop it. We, we, we don't want to stop doing this stuff. This is awesome. We don't want to stop doing this. Lives are being changed. How could we make it even better? And so in 2009, we launched a new three-year journey, calling it Project Beyond Catalyst. And in this three-year journey, we began to focus on the partnerships that had resulted from Project Beyond. And this became deeply personal as we strategically invested in some amazing leaders that we had met in Project Beyond. Strategically invested some amazing leaders around the world. So our work in, in, in Syria grew as we now supported four other church planners. And our, our partnerships in Uganda opened a door for ministry to children impacted by the HIV crisis. So we started a school in Kabazandigizi, Uganda, for those children. There are over 300 children in that school today. 300 children. Some are Muslim, some are animistic, and now they're all learning about Jesus. We partnered with Mark and Tina um, Hagen and established the Girls Rescue Center in Kenya, a ministry that rescues girls from the horrible practice of forced marriages and, and female genital mutilation. We honed in on leadership development, beginning to form a curriculum for training. We provided marriage courses uh, around the world. We, again, another thing that happened during this three-year season was the purchase of Zoe's. And so, so, so again, we challenged our church to give to Project Beyond Catalyst over a three-year period of time. And our church responded. $2.1 million was given. And, and by the way, this is, I think, an interesting point. The start of the campaign, literally this, the, the weekend that, that I stood up here and said, hey, here's the opportunity to turn your pledge cards in. The, 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 that weekend, that, the, the week before, the stock market hit the lowest level it had in years. It, it, it hit rock bottom. Many of you remember that year. But you still gave. 2.1 million was the goal there. You still gave. And God did amazing things. So after three years of this, we again said, we do not want to stop. <laughs> amazing doors are being opened. Amazing partnerships are being developed. And the impact is cool. But we again wanted to be incredibly strategic with our focus. And so out of that came our Gospel Unleashed journey, which we launched three years ago this month. In Gospel Unleashed, there are three areas of focus. Unleashing compassion, unleashing churches, and unleashing change agents or leaders. So for the past three years, we have been focusing on these key areas. And again, God has done some unbelievable things. 
Now, because this three-year journey is officially coming to a close this month, I thought it would be cool to symbolize this with three stones of remembrance, okay? Three stones of remembrance, just like in Joshua, to take three stones and to remember and celebrate what God has done through your generosity, So I want to talk first of all about compassion, the stone of compassion here, unleashing compassion. Because of your generosity to Gospel Unleashed, some amazing compassionate ministry has been able to happen the last three years. This is an incredible story, many, many stories. We were able to give $100,000 to famine relief in Kenya, helping 3,000 people literally stay alive. We continue to support the Girls Rescue Center in Africa where girls are being rescued from forced marriages and now they're growing spiritually. They're being trained in skills to help them find a job and succeed in life. We entered into the sex trafficking world connecting with two wonderful ministries in India that rescue girls from these horrible brothels where they were forced to service dozens of men every day. Because of your involvement, twice as many girls were rescued and are now growing in their relationship with Jesus. One girl of Hindu origin recently wrote a song and shared it with our team. And in it, she sang about how Jesus has rescued her. There are so many stories of acts of compassion that have happened because of your generosity to Gospel Unleashed. Here's here's a picture of a, a little girl who needed eye surgery it was not going to happen and unless someone stepped in. We were able to make that surgery happen, and she's now doing fantastic. Even locally, Gospel Unleashed resources have gone towards the Global Refugee Center here in town, helping refugee families. Again, these are just a few of the stories of compassion through Gospel Unleashed. It's amazing. A second stone of remembrance and emphasis has been the area of of church planting, unleashing churches. Now, earlier I mentioned um, Danny um, in Project Beyond. We were introduced to Danny and started working with Syria church planters in, in Project Beyond Catalyst. This partnership has continued the past three years through Gospel Unleashed in, in the midst of all the violence in Syria. Um, and I am thrilled to report that 239 churches in Syria have been planted by these leaders that we support. 239 churches in Syria, which is awesome. <clears throat> Another cool story that happened through Gospel Unleashed was uh, a worship, the worshiping community at Zoe's had a connection, established a connection with a coffee farm in Villa Rica, Peru, very spiritually needy area. Because of Gospel Unleashed, there is now a church that's been established there. And the coffee that we enjoy and we serve at Zoe's and 15th Street and West Campuses directly helps the ministry in Villa Rica. Um, Speaking of of coffee, we also helped start another church in eastern Uganda, a Christ community church that's involved, also involved in the coffee industry. And this is an area that's very little Christian influence. And our Uganda uh, project director, uh, Kelly Hunick, she playfully and maybe seriously likes to refer to this as our East Campus, okay? Christ Community East Campus, East Uganda. Um, So that's another cool thing. And through the work in Peru, church planting has now extended to the jungle where there are amazing stories of people coming to Christ and planting more churches. 
Here in Greeley, Gospel Unleashed Resources and volunteers from Christ's community helped start um, a, a, a work among the Karini refugee population, where there is now a church established with about 70 people attending. I mean, doors are beginning to open right now, are beginning to open um, into a significant unreached people group in Africa with the goal of planting a church there as well, where there are millions of people, no Christian influence. Doors are open to plant a church there as well. The church is the hope of the world. And so when we are able to plant churches in places around the world, it establishes a kingdom outpost that can continue to grow and thrive. So through your gifts to Gospel Unleashed, hundreds of churches have been established around the world. So way to go, God, and way to go, Christ's community. It's awesome. Amen. Now, a third area of focus, a third stone of remembrance is the unleashing of change agents. This whole idea of developing leaders, investing in strategic people, influencers. It has been amazing what God has done these past three years in, in the developing of leaders. We were able to start a seminary on wheels that, that we refer to as ITI or International Training Institute. This kind of training is so needed in regions of the world where th their pastors have no access to this kind of training. We take it for granted. They have no access to this, these resources. In the last three years, ITI has had 745 students. And 115 of those have graduated from the institute, which means that they, they have completed eight classes. One of our teams was able to do an ITI among deaf pastors in Africa. There are 900,000 deaf people in Kenya, many of whom have no or little, little support. These deaf pastors shared about how people think they're stupid. They're, they're not welcome in many churches. But we had 24 deaf pastors taking ITI classes and excited about training others. We've added a prayer dimension to this ITI experience. So now every attendee to an ITI gets, a, gets to receive a time of listening prayer with one of our teams. Many of these men and women have never, ever received prayer like that. Never, ever received prayer like that. Now, what's really exciting is that this ITI vision, it has always been about multiplication. It's not just we go down and teach these classes. It's that the people who take these classes would then be able to teach other people so that it multiplies. That's the entire vision of this. And that's starting to happen. One leader in Uganda graduated from ITI, and he has now done an ITI in the Congo, and he wants to do one in Zambia. Another ITI graduate in Peru, a guy named, named Santiago, is now training 40 other leaders. See, that, that's what we're talking about. The ministry is multiplying. It's multiplying. We have two leaders in Uganda. One has officially become an adopted son of Raylene, Raylene and I. Um, Alex is, is that one. And then Ruben, both these guys, you can see them there. They're working in eastern Uganda to help establish a medical clinic. Again, all because of Gospel Unleashed. The stories are Endless. They're endless. In fact, if, if you haven't picked up a copy of Pastor Steve's book, I encourage you to do so because you can read many more of the stories of impact. And also, you can check out in your worship packet, you may have already seen that, there's an insert there that describes some of the things, more specific details about some of the things that I've been walking through. But the bottom line is that because of Gospel Unleashed, compassion has been demonstrated, churches have been planted, leaders have been developed and unleashed into ministry. And it all started, think about this, it all started with a prayer meeting, prayer time on a Monday afternoon 10 years ago. 
I mean, what a journey. What a journey God has invited us to be a part of. What an amazing story. So many of you have given to Gospel Unleashed these past three years. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Your gifts matter. They, 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 they have made a difference. Now, we do have an exciting vision for this coming year, and you're going to hear more about that next week, something we are calling Gospel Unleashed Hope Renewed. This is going to be a one-year journey rather than a three-year journey. So next week, we're going to be again talking specifically about this vision and what we believe God wants us to accomplish through our church this coming year. It's going to be fun. You don't want to miss that. But today, today, we just want to celebrate what God has done these past three years. So far, about $1.63 million has been given. Our pledges were just under $1.8 million, and so we're, we're hoping to make up that difference by the end of this month. You can continue to give to Gospel Unleashed through February. I mean, think about that. Over $1.6 million dollars. This is over and above our regular giving. Over $1.6 million has been given by this church. That is amazing. Because of your generosity, thousands of lives have been dramatically changed. Hundreds of churches have been planted. Hundreds of leaders have been trained for Jesus' sake. And again, I am I'm just so proud of you as a church. Thank you for saying yes to God. Thank you for letting him pull us out of our complacency and into this, call us into this amazing adventure of Project Beyond, Project Beyond Catalyst and Gospel Unleashed. What a joy and faith builder it is to remember what he has done. Amen. we've been on a journey. We call it Gospel Unleashed. It's been a journey filled with adventures, surprises, challenges, and evidence of God's hand at work. In a word, this journey has been incredible. Over the years of Gospel Unleashed, God heard our prayers, saw our financial commitments, and favored our participation, orchestrating these into something far beyond our dreams. This is the power of Gospel Unleashed.